0: John's John's bringing us in. Five, four, three, two, one,
1: zero. All engine running. Lift off. We have a lift
0: off. Hello and welcome to Louisville's Best Podcast a podcast where we just talk about what we feel like. Cause we're just crazy like that. No, but we uh, we're glad you're joining us. Thank you, faithful listeners.
2: Well, some of that is because we're just too lazy to do any research. <laughs> but hey, this week Charlie's
0: brought it. Charlie's brought the topics, and the first podcast was great of the night. And we're gonna do another one here in just a minute on another subject. We're gonna we're gonna tease you with here. But before we do that, uh, just some some programming notes. Brian is currently at home sterilizing the entire house as uh, he has one member of the family with strep two with the flu and uh, he's just
2: do you think his beard is keeping the germs out of his I'd say that he probably looks like Dustin Hoffman an outbreak <laughs> he's just he's looking for the monkey I mean the monkey that's that, that the long guy yeah that brought the virus in he's he's, he's probably waiting for the uh, c130 to drop the um the bomb the yeah the air air fuel explosion that's just going to take out the house and he's he's probably i mean I, I, kudos a Brian, though man i mean i mean you got 3 3 kids and your wife and, and she's got she's sick she's mm-hmm. got the flu yeah the boy's got the flu and one of the girls has got strep so it's just you the cat the dog and another one of your kids and what do you do? To you? I mean you got to barricade yourself in like the basement or something it's got to be like a zombie movie. I'm sure he whipped something up in the
0: garage and built like a, <sighs> I'm sure a he did. wooden like protective room or something like He's that. like,
2: I got something on the stove. It's just going to make everything feel so much better. Like a, uh, I don't know, it's like a potpourri <laughs> and some other things. They're all smelling it, and it's it's probably wonderful. Yeah, A little bit of wood dust, some sawdust yeah. in there.
0: <laughs> Charlie uh, is joining us via phone as he is dog sitting. How are you, Charlie?
3: I'm still got the crud, or I still have the crud, I should say. I'm still got the crud.
0: <laughs> I'm still a little sick, but you know,
3: I'm doing all right. I, I don't need to sanitize everything at this point, but it could be coming.
0: Don't don't sneeze on the dogs. No, no. How are the dogs?
3: Oh, they're fantastic. They're just good boys. They're just good boys. <laughs> they they. Well, I mean, other than the fact that they're like when I got to use the restroom. They spread out across the couch, and I don't have any room on the couch now. But other than that, they're good boys.
2: If if y'all want to watch something fun with dogs, come watch Carla at dog training school on Monday nights. Try to walk Margot um, on a loose leash walk. It is one of the most hilarious things ever. Can you say loose leash five times? Back? Loose leash, loose leash. <laughs> it's loose leash walking. It's what it is, and <laughs> yeah. I love to. It's sweet. And the, and the funny thing about it is is the lady who's doing the actual training is like German or something. So she's like <laughs> she? she is. Yeah. So it's hilarious. She's got the German actually. She's like that is the dog. Where is he going? It? And it is it's like man. This is amazing cuz she can get them dogs to do whatever they want, especially some German shepherds. They oh, they, they yeah. are like they're on the ground. I mean, right. uh, Margo not so much. Not I think so she's going to flunk. I think she's going to flunk leash <laughs> <loose, loose> training. <laughs>
0: uh Aaron's not joining us as well as he is ill. With some kind of swollen head, <laughs> ear, something—we're not really sure. Yes. There's this, there's just his head is just gonna swell and pop. His head is no longer asymmetrical. It's, it's, it's kind of oh, come on now. So. You've, you've seen Aaron and I before. Our heads have never been asymmetrical. We we have Klingon head. It looks
2: like the hit. Looks like my picture I put on Facebook the other night. With my head all <laughs> there out to the, the side.
0: Yeah, you got some good comments on that. Before we go on, though. Uh, uh, one of our uh, one of our podcasts from a few weeks ago was about our favorite country songs, uh, and we got a we got a voicemail from a uh, a country DJ giving his opinions on his feelings uh, about country music. So uh, take it away, Red Rover.
2: I, th- I think that's his name.
1: Is Louisville's here. best podcast. It's everyone's favorite country music DJ, Red Rover. <laughs> 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 Call it from WDUG Radio. I wanted to say I love the. A list of country music songs y'all put together On the last podcast And I just wanted to say as a country music lover I just wanted to call in with some of my favorite ones We got Blake Shelton, he's got a list of Mile Long, we got God's Country Austin, Who Are You When I'm Not Around We got Brad Paisley Then <laughs> uh, Camouflage, She's Everything We got Miranda Lambert, The House That Built Me We got uh, Kenny Cheston, one of the best storytellers <laughs> Down the Road We got Uh Sugarland Land State, <laughs> <out> <laughs> I could go on and on forever, <laughs> but I just want to call and say those were some of mine that I enjoy listening to, and I love the list that y'all put together, and m- make sure you listen to WDUG Radio <laughs> on your podcast as well, and look for me, arr, 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 Red Rover out!
0: Charlie, I don't know if you could hear all that, but that was the Red Rover from the WDUG Radio Network
2: with his country songs.
3: I could not hear that, but I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> his uh,
2: his phone call actually sounds better than our microphones, so <laughs> it's actually a very clear, crisp, crisp uh, well, call there. Well, for tonight's topic, I'm
0: kind of t- I'm going to turn it over to Charlie here in just a second. Uh, Charlie was uh, giving us a rundown of a movie, and I'm kind of going to let him do that again. But we're going to talk about some of the most violent or brutal scenes, or even hard to watch scenes, from movies on our list. But uh, Charlie, if you want, if you kind of want to share what uh, what uh, prompted you to to go with this this uh, subject.
3: On Monday night, I, I rented and watched uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I was I was fearful to watch it in the theater. I'm a I'm a huge Tarantino fan. I mean, I am a basic white dude, so of course I'm a Tarantino fan. But I wanted to see it, but I was very scared of the three-hour runtime. I didn't think I could handle sitting in the theater for three hours. Um, I did run it, though, and watched it from the privacy of my own home. And It was a, it was a really well-made film. Um, there's a lot of normal Tarantino tropes, but the movie ends with this very brutal scene. I don't want to ruin it for anybody. But I will warn you, because I was not expecting it myself. And this movie is fairly unviolent until the very end. And then it is super violent. There's like a 10 minute scene of just this massive brutality. And it's, it starts off as kind of comical and how brutal it is, then it just gets disturbing and then it gets comical again. Um, but that's the, kind of the subject what is a, a scene in a film that is so violent, but yet it's well-made. So it, adds to the film versus taking away. I think we've all can say we've watched movies before where there's these super violent scenes that are just put there to be shocking, but they don't add to the actual story of the film. So that's the subject of the, of the the podcast this week is films that have brutal scenes, violent scenes, shocking scenes that don't take away from the film, but they actually add to the story. Um, I'm actually going to start okay. my, minus the one from 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 uh, let time time in Hollywood, but I watched the film Contagion for the first time the other day, and I don't know if you, have you guys seen the movie Contagion? Who's it in, came out in like the early ninety or early two thousand tens. It had Matt Damon okay. and Gwyneth Paltrow.
0: I didn't see it. I know, you know I know of it.
3: Um, you know it's it's one of those movies that like has a, a very top tier cast. However, they're not in it very much. Like Matt Damon and Gwyneth Paltrow are not in it a lot. I mean, the actual stars are Kate Winslet and, um, um, I can't think of the actor's name right now. Uh, Lawrence Fishburn. sorry. They're the, the main stars of the film. Uh, but there's a scene where Gwyneth Paltrow's character dies from this unknown disease and it, it's just very unflinching on how it's done. And I think to show the power of this mystery disease that happens in the film, you needed to seem like that, but it's, it's almost where you have to look away. It's so disturbing and how it's portrayed. It's very realistic and it's not over the top gory or anything, but it really adds to the film because it's part of the storyline. It's not like a 1980s action film where people are getting their arms ripped off and it's just kind of like goofy. This, this actually adds to the plot and makes the film so much more serious even though a, you know a, basically a disease that kills a third of the population is serious regardless but it's just so hard to watch but there but yet it's it's part of the plot and it actually makes the film
0: so is it just like a well acted scene like the death is well presented I guess
3: well it's not like she just like you know in most movies where people just die she's having seizures and she's foaming at the mouth and oh it's part of this like super flu type thing that these people are dying from. So in most of the characters in the film that pass of this disease, they don't, they just, you know, somebody comes by and finds them dead. Whereas her death is actually shown from start to finish. The disease
2: taking its toll from start to finish.
0: Okay. Uh, I haven't seen that one. I kind of, I remember it now. Oh uh, yeah, to... I've seen it. Okay. Did you, uh, does that scene stick out to you?
2: Um, well, I mean, I mean, not like it did. I mean, Charlie just recently uh, saw it. I mean, I, I, it's been years since I've seen it, and mm-hmm. it, I had to. He, I had to remember exactly what was going on. I remember the scene, mm-hmm. but I, I, I kind of block out movies about viruses. <laughs> I, I don't like. I don't like movies about viruses, things like that. Just, it's just too much sometimes for me to watch. Yeah. So that type of stuff just kind of. Oh no, it ain't, so it ain't my thing.
0: For me, the the first one I'm going with is one that. For me, it's one I have to look away from, but it, I mean, it adds to the scene to the movie. Uh, it's in it's in the movie Misery, from Stephen King, when uh, after he's escaped for the first time and she brings him back and puts him in there and she she proceeds to break his ankles across <laughs> the with the sledgehammer. <laughs> oh my goodness! Like, I can't watch that scene, even though it's not like it's not the best graphics, whatever you want to call it's just the knowing that what's happening and to think that that's actually happening it, it's something that like and I feel like it adds to the film because it just makes her that much more violent and that much more uh, just demented and and makes him more helpless but I can't I can't watch that scene to me it's it's a simple but brutal scene that I just I'm like nope, not gonna watch it.
2: For someone who almost did break his ankle off his body <laughs> one time, it and there's no it just oh it is cringeworthy just even thinking about that scene, and, and and for me it's not even really the whole idea of her hitting him in the ankle with a with a sledgehammer, it's the anticipation, oh yeah, the build yeah, up yeah, to yeah. it coming because she's. She's t- talking to him about it, and she tells him what she's gonna, you know. And she's, what are you doing? Why you didn't put this wood between his ankle? And he and he knows what's coming. Once he and it's just uh, that's the part of it that makes it so brutal is the is the anticipation of what. Because I remember when Misery came out, people were talking about that scene. It was like, oh man, just wait till you see this scene. And mm. I remember watching Misery for the first time, and um, there is nobody else that could pull that movie off like Kathy Bates. So I mean, she's an absolutely amazing actress, anyway. Uh, James Con's James Con. I mean, you know, it's that, oh, it's like he was playing the same character from Elf. <laughs> has, has either one of y'all watched um, um,
3: Castle Rock on Hulu? Uh,
2: no, no. Yeah.
3: The actress playing her in the TV series, and I've only watched like the first episode and a half, and I, I really can't, I can't say what else she's been in. She's been in a bunch of stuff, but. She does such an amazing job playing that character. It's disturbing. Like, the character was always disturbing, especially as Kathy Bates had played her. I'm not saying she's better than Kathy Bates, but she's playing a, I guess, kind of the best way to put it is like alternate reality of that Amy Wills character. But man, is it super disturbing and so good. But it's, just, yeah, it's, uh, Kathy Bates did such a good job. But if you get a chance to check out, just watch an episode to see her playing that character, and it really does live up to Kathy Bates' portrayal of that character.
0: So I just looked it up. It's Lizzie Kaplan. Uh, yes. From Mean Girls, among other films. Yes. Yeah.
3: My favorite movie. I mean, come <laughs> on. I should have known that.
0: Now, I didn't know she's... I, I like Lizzie Kaplan a lot. I didn't know she's in that. I'm going to have to catch that now that you've you dropped that on us. She's also in Hot Sad Time Machine. Let's not forget that classic uh, film. Cloverfield. <laughs>
2: she blows up. Oh yeah, she does, and the little thing—it's <laughs> 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 all right. <laughs> that movie is twisted. All right, John. I I think sometimes because for me, I'm not a guy who likes to watch movies that have a lot of brutality in them. I just I just can't handle it. Even though I know it's fake, it's still like, holy cow, what are they doing? Especially when it's just gratuitous. So a lot of things that I that stick out in my mind are things that are more subtle. Mm -hmm. but like charlie's talking about the night it's something that actually does add or continues to add to the story so for me one of one of the more brutal scenes and even though it's not incredibly brutal in the ideal of how graphic it is but it's the just the subject matter that's going on is um the helicopter scene in full metal jacket uh where uh joker and i can't remember the other guys uh they're still kind of they got this jadedness but they but he wants to get out in the, in the stuff. We'll just call it the stuff as he keeps saying and and get out and see the war. And he's got this kind of idealism about it. And as the movie progresses, you see where he continues to get this more jaded and jaded view of the, of the war that's going on. And I think you really see that turn is when he's in a helicopter and they're flying somewhere and the, the door gunner is shooting his, uh, M sixty out the window, and he's just he's just yelling, "Get some, get some!" And you see all these uh, Vietnamese people running, and he's just mowing them down as they go. And he turns around, and looks at them, and and he says, he says, "Anybody who runs is a VC." He says, "Anybody who doesn't run is a well-disciplined VC." And then he just starts laughing and they, they have this conversation, but then one of them like throws up in the helicopter. Yeah. In front of and then this, before the scene ends, you just hear him. He's just, he's like, get some, he just keeps doing it. And it, it was really this incredible, uh, kind of this confluence of this guy who's killing people because of his complete and utter, he's just gone. I mean, he's just jaded. Mm-hmm. And these two guys who are just getting to the point where they're understanding that this is, this is not an idealistic war. It's, 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 it is brutal. It's brutality. very realistic. Yeah. yeah, and so that scene always sticks out to me, and, I, and, I, and I'm a big fan of uh, Full Metal Jacket. Uh, I like Full Metal Jacket. Sometimes some people are platoon people. I'm a Full Metal Jacket guy. I like it, and Hamburger Hill. I like both those. Yeah. So that that one always is, is a scene that seems very poignant to me in in movie history. It's just yeah. one of those really good brutal brutal scenes that doesn't really show the violence of it. You just it's implied more than anything. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, Charlie, you got a second one.
3: Um, I might be still in one of John's, but probably not the same th- same scene as one of John's. But definitely Saving Private Ryan yes. in its entirety. But not the not the scene that everybody talks about. This is the scene with Barry Pepper as the sniper. Yeah, and when he prays and then sh- then kills the guy, I I, I, d- I know that I would never be personally have the fortitude to be in war i i I know that i don't have the mental capacity and emotional capacity to handle that however just that scene where he's able to believe in god so much that he's able to pray and then shoot someone (laughs) and then the the way that it shows the the person that he's killing you know it's just I don't know. It's just, it's not just, dis- it's disturbing in the fact that I can never do that, but it's also kind of uplifting that this guy is able to rely on his higher power to complete this thing, but also the way that the film is kind of so serene. It, or the film, the, the scene's not serene, but he is.
0: Yeah. He's and his a, serenity he's a, he's,
3: is kind of disturbing. Yeah. yeah like the fact that he's just kind of able to just stop and breathe and pray and then kill this guy that's been killing all his guys. It's just such a – it's disturbing, but it's not in the fact that it's overly gory or overly violent, but it's so just like his calmness is disturbing, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, no.
3: Um, And I think that the the majority of people, I would say 90% of America, couldn't do that. And I know it's not real, but I'm sure things like that did happen. There had to have been soldiers in World War II that were in the middle of all this mess and were able to detach so much that they could complete their mission. And that is disturbing.
0: No, I, it's a good scene. Uh, I I, I, uh, I, was going with Saving Private Ryan also. Me too. Okay, we're all going with Saving Private Ryan. I'm, uh, I'm going near the end, though, when they're trying to protect the bridge. And uh, Adam Goldberg's character is attacked.
2: That was my scene. Oh, I stole Ah, John's
0: scene. You stole it. Uh, And and they're having that brutal fight, and the guy's got him pinned down with the knife and just basically slowly kills him as Adam Goldberg basically is begging for his life and begging for somebody to help him. And it's just, like, I can't watch that scene because you're just watching this guy get impelled and just ran, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, and it's so slow and so, I I don't know. And just to be the person doing that. Well,
2: and the interesting thing about that, and this is, this was the part that I was going to bring up about that Uh is that you have him begging for his life and the German who is pushing the knife into him is like, almost like a, like a mom, mother would a, a, yeah, yeah. child, and you know, telling him that you know, shh, shh, shh. it's okay. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, was, it was such a weird way in which he was, you know, trying not to die, and the other guy was seeing it almost as an honorable way to die. You know, it was just such a strange—I hate to use the word dichotomy again, but it's just just that strange, twisted view of war. Mm-hmm. And and that and that that was that was a scene that really really stuck out to me as well. Is just the way in which it was filmed, and the way the guy was, uh, uh, the the, the German soldier's way in which he was, you know, go up, Basically, he wasn't saying it, but it was almost, hey, go out with some dignity, you know. This is the way it is,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and it, it was just, yeah, it was it was a very very oh, scene. It was, it's, it's one of that's hard to watch.
0: It's definitely one I can't I can't uh, I I, I kind of have to look away for that one as well. Uh, john i stole yours did you have any other
2: <sighs> yeah i did i had one on the back burner because we started talking about okay. this is it's a movie and once again i'm, I'm sticking with the war thing because i'm a history teacher so i'm a i'm a big war movie watch a lot of war movies and especially even like civil war movies and things and it was a it was a scene that came out of a movie in the early 90s from a movie called glory yeah, it stars matthew broderick and and, and it's it's got some fighting in it, but it's it's more glamorized. I mean, I don't want to say glamorized, but there's not a whole lot of blood, quote unquote. In it. But at the very beginning of the movie, uh, they show him. And of course, he's this lieutenant, kind of this bright eyed, wide eyed, kind of looking for the glory type of lieutenant. And they're running. They're going across this field. I, I don't know even remember what battle it was, but there was a officer in front of him, and he turns around, and starts yelling at Matthew Broderick, and he says, "Let's go, let's go." And as he turns back around you see a cannon go off and the guy's head just explodes and it winds up all over Matthew Broderick's face. And then he gets hit in the neck by a piece of shrapnel. And it, 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 the brutality, the thing about it was that, that, that it, that sets the movie. I mean, that sets Mm -hmm. up what we see throughout the rest of the movie, what Matthew Broderick's, uh, uh, Colonel Shaw, I think his name was, I can't remember 54th Massachusetts, Kind of his view of what the war was going to be like, or what the war was like, from that point forward was kind of, kind of was directed by that one moment. So yeah, that was that was an extremely, in I mean, especially early '90s. I mean, it, it was a really, uh, really good looking scene if you want to talk about blood and gore. Mm. But coming from a Civil War movie, usually those are a little bit more mundane in their violence. But right. this was just like pop, and the guy just came off. Yeah. You know, it was like whole all right uh charlie um my last one's going to be the uh f-
3: not the final gun battle but one of the final gun battles in django and chain now the whole film is very <laughs> hard to watch because it is it it, it it deals with such a such a disturbing subject matter which is slavery and the you know post-civil war america and all this stuff but I think the fact that, so at the end of the, towards the end of the movie, there's the scene where, where Christoph Waltz's character shoots, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, spoiler. And then Django has to have that fight scene in Candyland. And, uh, I do no, I'm sorry. This is after that. So he goes back to Candyland, but he, he is having the gunfight with everybody and like he shoots the guy, there's the guy that he shoots, and he's laying on the floor, and he keeps shooting him, and keeps shooting him, and they're playing that song. It's a it's a mashup of Tupac and James Brown, so of course the music doesn't fit, but it fits the scene, but not the time frame, of course. But he keeps shooting the same guy over and over again, and at first it's comical, but then there's just so much blood and so much shooting and so many violent shots that it's. I think it really adds to the film showing the brutality of that, that type of scenario. Like granted, that would probably never happen where a slave would be able to, to fight back and save his wife and all these things. But it's just so, does a very good job in his films of having things like that, that start off, they're very violent. They get so much more violent that that they're almost comical, not the brutality, but just that they're going this far and then it leaves comical and back and goes back to disturbing. And sometimes it goes back to comical again. He just, as I was talking about uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he does such a good job of making things so over the top that it's almost a realistic art. It's beautifully done, but it's just disturbing at the same point. Like like I said earlier, there are certain films where there's violence for violence's sake there is in Django Unchained, the violence adds such a comedic element because it's so over the top, but he does it so much that you see the realism of the brutality for what it is, that it's not funny anymore, but it's funny how absurd it is, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I know the majority of our, our, a large portion of our listening audience does not watch Tarantino films <laughs> Uh, you know, hey Debbie, how's it going? But <laughs> it, it, for that alone, it, if you're in the mindset to be able to watch one of those films now, granted, I've never watched the hateful Lake because I've heard how bad it is.
2: <laughs> that movie it, it, is it, it, out there.
3: It, it it goes over the top. That brutality is less of making a point and more of just brutality to be vulgar and and. Having not seen it, I shouldn't say that. However, from the way it's been described by everyone that I've talked to, it just doesn't feel like something I'd like. However, with Django, it's done in such a good way with such a great cast that it adds to the film.
0: It's funny you bring up uh, Hateful Eight. When we ended the last podcast and John and I were talking about movies, I said Hateful Eight uh, because it's just, like you said, so over the top. Uh, it's it's crazy, uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you on how Tarantino does those scenes. Um, and I'd forgotten about that part in Django, how, you, how he just keeps going back and shooting that guy, goes around shoots other people, and then shoots that guy again, and just over and over and over. And it's comical, like you said, but it's comical in the midst of a crazy violent scene that's going on. Um, so my last one, I'm going back to war movies. Uh, fury with brad Pitt the tank movie um mm-hmm. there's the scene where it's him they're in their tank and there's two other tanks and they're basically like in the middle of this or not at the middle they're at the edge of this wide open field and there's a there's either one or two german tanks on the other side and they're charging them and having like a tank battle that is across the wide open field scene and, and it's there's a violent scene where the, he looks beside him and the and the tank next to it is just the guy's like heads gone. But like, yes, that's violent itself, but it's just the brutality of war itself to knowing that these guys were literally driving these giant, you know, war machines, but they were also just targets. And and they're rolling through this open field, knowing that if they don't get their shot off first, that the next shot that fires, they're they're gonna be dead. And there's going to be no way out of there. They're either going to, you know, die on impact or die from the explosion itself or the, the fire that it's going to cause. And just knowing that they're just going to keep going, plotting the course and going straight for it because it's either it's either their life or the other people's life. And it's just it's it's brutality uh, in, in real fashion to me.
2: I, uh, my, uh, my grandfather drove one of those in World War II. Yeah. across craw- in, um, uh, Italy, North African Italy. So yeah, he, uh, would never talk about it. Never said a word. Didn't. No
0: yeah. I, I don't know that. Like, I like that movie, but that scene just really sticks out to me.
2: The, the one scene in that movie that is absolutely the worst. Uh, and I'll finish mine with that one too. Cause that's a good movie is the scene where, and of course you have the, the guy, the young guy who doesn't want to be involved, yeah. he doesn't want to fight, yeah. all that blah, 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 And it's the scene where he lets the the kid go, the German kid go on the side of the road, and he fires a anti-tank uh, rocket, or grenade, I guess what you call it back then, into the, that one tank, and it explodes, and that guy, and the tank commander gets out, but he's on fire, Yeah. and Brad Pitt, I, I can't remember exactly what happened. Is like, look, this is what you did, you know, you mm-hmm. because of this, and it that changes the course of the. You see where that kind of changes the course of the movie for for that character. It's a good movie. It's a very good movie. Yeah. Fury's good. It's, it's a very good movie. Stuff. That that whole movie actually, I'm glad you brought
3: it up because I wasn't thinking of it, but that whole movie actually is the the theme of this podcast. It's a wonderful movie. That and Hurt Locker are mm-hmm. two that are kind yeah. of the same, and the fact that they are they are so brutal and so realistic for something that we'd never ever be a part of us, the majority of the population. However, you can't stop watching because it's not done for meanness. It's not done for shock factor. I mean, it is, but it's telling the story. I mean, the scene where they're in the house with that family and they mm-hmm. they cooked for them. That is hard to watch. But it adds to the story so much. and even though the whole film is just so brutal, it's just such a good movie. it's in the list of films that I've watched once and I never need to watch again. Not that it's not good, but I don't know if I can spend that kind of emotional uh, payment towards the movie again. Knowing where it's gonna, gonna go, it's going to make me personally anxious and being with misery. I love the the movie and the book Misery, but I can never read or watch it again because there's this such a brutality to right. it that is the story. That is the story, especially, you know, John said, like, his grandfather couldn't talk about it. You know, I can only imagine what people that actually went through that. And the things that they showed in the movie Fury were not beyond the pale of possibility.
0: Right, Those right. things
3: could have all happened. They're not, you know, fantastical. They are realistic. So that's what makes it so brutal is that, you know, one generation before us went
0: through that.
2: Yeah,
3: and even though like I said, it's hard to watch, it's something that I'm glad that I've watched. I just never need to watch it again. Yeah. <laughs>
0: that's, yeah, that's good. That's, now,
3: kind of going back to my films, I could watch those all again. Yeah, they're brutal. Yeah, they have a lot of stuff going on with them, but they're not brutal in a realistic state you know like yeah. saving prior run was was brutal in a realistic way but I can watch it again because the thought of them being you know being able to save this one guy even though it could have happened it's not realistic you know yeah. and going through all that to save this guy whereas with fury or Django it, it they're they're with fury it's so realistic.
0: Yeah, I I agree. Like uh Saving Pride Ryan's just a good it's a good storytelling, so you can watch that one again and enjoy it. But there's other movies like 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 you said, it's just that is such a emotional drain on you. You're just like, Okay, I'm good, I'm spent. Uh and like you said, anxiety really ramps up your anxiety. So uh really good topic, Charlie.
3: Yeah, great topic. Yeah. Well, thank
0: you guys. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Well, a little bit of a more serious topic, but uh, uh, just enjoyable stuff to talk to uh, and talk about. So let us know your thoughts. Uh, And always you can catch us on Anchor and Apple, iTunes and whatever else. Google Play. Google Play. But uh, uh, for Brian, uh, catch a – or see you later, player. (laughs) I can't even even say it right. And uh, sorry, Brent.